Hey folks, and welcome to the Daily Ratings Podcast, a show where each week we sit down with Vincent Daly to get his thoughts on the latest movies he's been watching, both older films and new releases. And don't worry, there's no spoilers. Vince will give a brief review of the movie, share some thoughts, and of course, then rate the film. The daily ratings are always fair, honest, and most importantly, they're consistent. On today's show, Vince will be rating and reviewing The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, directed by Niels Arden Oplev, The Girl Who Played with Fire by David Alfredson, The Girl Who Kicked the Hornet's Nest by David Alfredson, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, the American edition with David Fincher, and The Girl in the Spider's Web, directed by Fede Alvarez. So stay tuned and enjoy the show. Mr. Vincent Daly, how are you, sir? I'm doing great, Tom. How, are, how about you? <laughs> uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How did your week go of uh, watching movies? Uh, a, a special movie watching week because I dedicated my week to watching the Millennium series, uh, which, of course, is as you uh, effortlessly went through all the the girl names, the girl with yeah, the I did my best. It, it was... It <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I was struggling myself. I wasn't even speaking. Uh, but it is a great, great week because I enjoy watching these movies all the way through. Uh, and five of them is a lot to unpack. It's, it's Yeah, it's really heavy that you went through. But, I mean, this is a fun kind of special that we have for Absolutely. everyone. I It's something that would have probably never come to me when you told me that you were doing it. I'd love it. I mean, we're doing the... We're doing the yeah. Absolutely. It's something that's been on my radar for a little bit, but yeah, I'm I'm excited to talk about it because it's something that, you know, for a lot of people, probably an unapproachable series of movies because they don't know where to start. Do you start with the foreign films? Do you maybe start with the American uh, Don? How do they all follow each other? Is it based on books too? Yes, I believe it's all books, all novels. Uh, so a little bit intimidating to go, and I think for that reason, something genuinely I want to watch, but also genuinely, hopefully, useful as a tool to how do you tackle uh, the franchise? Kind exactly. Of. Are there more coming out as well? I don't know. Uh, obviously, we'll touch on the kind of uh, left off point that uh, the girl in the spider's web is left off at for 2018 right, when right. it came out. Yep. Uh, but there was a massive gap before that came out. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love. It's so interesting, just kind of looking up the franchise a little bit more, and I'm excited to hear about it too because I'm a little bit in the dark about it. Sure. Because the first three start all in Sweden, mm-hmm. Swedish films mm-hmm. all released in the same year. I believe Swedish two novels too. Okay, yeah. Uh, it is a drama in Stockholm uh, for for all of the major films. Um, I don't know how many books total in the series okay. there are, but at least four, if not probably more, because we touch on uh, obviously a continuing story. These sequels uh, I will say for the the watching audience at home these sequels are absolutely direct sequels there is no kind of jumping around uh, for better or worse uh, honestly I think uh, these movies might be interesting if they went back and uh, maybe designed them a little bit more open-ended yeah. maybe a little bit 
you know, another addition into the world uh, that this is. I, in. Yeah, I love that we're exploring the world. I would, I would love that we're doing this special. Mm-hmm. And it's just weird because the first three all came out in in oh nine. Oh nine. And you yeah. have two different. I would just assume then it would be all the same director too, but you have two different directors. Yeah, I'm not too sure why it, it, it was a separate director, but uh, for the for the latter two, right. but presumably uh, I also don't know how <laughs> how Swedish film industry works. So uh, you know maybe there was something creative differences uh, unpacked, but all made very uh, in quick succe- succession. I think all within 2009. I don't think even it even dips in 2010. Uh, yeah. So kind of a Lord of the Rings scenario as far as the production of it. Um, the books were Swedish, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, came out after the author, a year after the author died, actually, is when oh, they came out. Wow. And, 20, wow. and uh, author died in um, 2004. Look at that. Books came out in 2005. I mean, that's wow. according to the Book of Knowledge of Wikipedia. So. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, uh, but no, all, t- all 2009 and decent lengths, all over two hours. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm so interested, and you know I'm excited to hear about the American kind of version as well. Absolutely, or just the American stories following everything. For sure, for sure. See where um, see where it especially goes with Daniel then. Craig. But let's jump back to you know 2009. Let's start where it all started. The girl with the dragon tattoo. The girl with the dragon tattoo. So these first three movies are referred to as the Millennium Trilogy. That refers to as Millennium is a magazine where one of our main characters, Michael or Michele Bloomfist. He is a reporter. Uh, normally, I wouldn't give some background to this, but because all five of these movies center around the two central yeah, main sure. characters, yeah. I, I would like to give a little bit of, uh, of background here. Basically, you have McKelly Bloomfist uh, as a star reporter, runs a hardcore magazine that is designed around blowing up and spotlighting corruption around Sweden. Mm -hmm. We have then the second, uh, the girl in these movies, is Lisbeth Sanders, and she is going to be different roles in a lot of these films. Essentially, though, a a hacker, a delinquent, someone that is uh, on the run at times, but overall a, 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 a woman that is manipulated, put into difficult situations from her childhood, but has incredible gifts like a photographic memory and proficiency with hacking that pretty much in every film you have a format that Mikael is doing his own thing for his for his magazine mm-hmm. and crosses paths once again with the girl of the various movies, Lisbeth Sanders. So that's the that's the background to to all of these for the girl with the dragon tattoo, this is what kicks it off. This is what is going to start everything. And I think at the heart of what the girl in the dragon tattoo is about and why we see later on in 2011 David Fincher really wanting to direct this movie specifically, it is a dynamite script. At the heart, oh, this okay. is a movie about manipulation. Manipulation about data, manipulation of people, manipulation of uh, information. So especially for the first one, it's important to, uh, I mean, you're trying to also build the world mm-hmm. and get across, you have to get the characters across and mm-hmm. you're setting things up. Absolutely. Absolutely. Almost to a certain extent that Michele as as the, the male is almost the 
start of the show for I would say the first half of the film, you're kind of wondering why is it so centered. What you're wondering where the girl is. Exactly. Uh, later on in the films, it does become her show, but this first film uh, is very much a 50-50 split, which I think, again, shows the balance of the script, shows that it is about this concept that these characters are interacting with, not necessarily, let's see another chapter in this character's life. Sure, okay, yeah. Which is which is nice. Definitely goes to the strength of it, and again, it is it is a story about manipulation, and a thriller is spawned around that. I think that is the greatest strength, especially of the Swedish entry and this first entry for the Millennium Trilogy. Okay, we have the characters, you know, being basically put across this task to track down uh, a missing person and interacting with everyone manipulating into their lives. That that concept of manipulation is definitely the central point of where the thriller aspect is yeah, for yeah. really all of these movies. So if that sounds good to you as an audience member, uh, if you enjoy something like Silence of the Lambs or really any kind of thriller like that, maybe like a Mystic River even, it's it's definitely worth a watch to jump into one of these films and give it a shot. And I think no better spot is with the very first yeah, Girl with Dragon Tattoo. Uh, it's as not, and dubbed, not dubbed, correct? It is dubbed. I don't. I, I looked it up online when pre- uh, preparing to watch this, and yeah. kind of like a watch order. You know, said very similarly, not knowing what the hell to do sure. even from my sure, position. Yeah. From my side, I've only found that the dub was uh, was un- unacceptable. Granted, yeah, it's, it's, online there's a lot of hardcore fans of this series uh, being a you know. Yeah, I mean, it's, you just have to go subtitles. The mm-hmm. dubbing, I'm sure, just takes you out of it a little bit. Exactly. You're t- yeah, you're too focused on exactly the dubbing itself, kind of. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And that actually, you bring up a fantastic point, because one of the criticisms I have for the Swedish films, the first Millennium Trilogy, is the sound production. Uh, in particularly, uh, a hmm. big thing that distracts from The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo of 2009 is... Oh, man, a, a rough sound effects, rough score, uh, almost. I, I, you know, exploring some interesting, maybe some royalty free music. I heard some different sound hits that I've heard before online. There was definitely. I wonder uh, with. I mean, Niels Arden Opleff. I wonder how much. I mean, obviously not much of a budget then. Like I don't. I was not. Con- no idea who the director is, really. Sure, sure. So I don't know how big he was at the time or how big he was in Sweden mm-hmm. to take on the project. Right. I'm kind of surprised to hear that, though. It's a shame. the and books were apparently huge. Right. I mean, I do know. I mean, know that enough to, yeah, mm-hmm. to make a big hit. So you would think it would be a little bit of a heavy hitter. Like, I thought it would be like kind of a blockbuster. Especially for... for sure. Especially for such a Swedish-centric plot, yeah. you know, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and them producing this film. Uh, I mean, it really it really was a hit, but... Yeah, Suffers I, I, there. The good thing is, and not to give a, a peek into the later films, but this does get better. This is pretty much a criticism exclusively for this first iteration. Okay. Uh, so maybe it is tied to Oplev's specific directing, maybe his team. I don't know. It is absolutely something to note, though, because it took me out. Certain uh, string hit certain uh, horns. Are uh, you rolling your eyes at, uh, at one I, point? Or is it I, just like, what the hell was that? I, it took me right back to browsing free online oh, okay. sound effects. Oh, okay. Uh, All right. You know, for, for you know maybe any video that I produced in the past or something like that. Uh, sure. Uh, it just took me right there and, and definitely took me out of it for that reason. Interesting. Something to note because other than that, I find that... 
you know, there's a lot of merit to this first film and a lot of originality to the script. Uh, and, and again, we'll return to this in 2011 for David Fincher. I have no doubt he wanted to return to this film and only this film and not touch anything else. Because as the film progress, we get more and more focus on Lisbeth Sanders and her character development. This film stands alone as a phenomenal, oh, okay. uh, th- phenomenal thriller, investigative. Had it ended there, had it ended after the first one, it's like still a phenomenal movie. Absolutely. Would be in the writing class of A Silence of the Lambs. Wow, that's absolutely a, very, very cool. Okay. Absolutely. And, and just as much of a spiral in the investigative work of the film really you know, leaves you engaged on the edge of the seat. Uh, it, it's good stuff. When it comes to watching these films, and this is definitely a criticism uh, across the board, probably until the 2018 film, but we'll get there for Into the Spider's sure, Web. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for a movie central to hacking as a primary action of these characters you know these are not cops it's a reporter and a hacker so their investigative work uh, and how these characters interact with pushing the story along is gathering information Mm -hmm. some of that information is manipulated but for the most part this is uh, them doing you know sticking their nose to the grindstone finding documents using Lisbeth Sanders uh, photographic memory her hacking skills for something so central to the plot the hacking is very disappointing, very dated. Uh, a lot of the scenes are just from shot. A, from a 2021 perspective watching it, or even like I it, think it, even from a 2009, putting myself uh, in those shoes uh, as an audience, very dated. Okay, uh, all right. I mean, uh, or may, maybe uh, let me refine what I'm saying a little bit here. I think it's uninspired, I, and that sounds a little critical. That sounds a little yeah, harsh. Well, that's what you're here to do, though. But uh, it's true. <laughs> but when it when it what I mean by uninspired is taking a look at what they're doing on screen. It is the shots are let's show something that is being hacked or yep. being monitored on the computer, and let's flash back to the character. I do not find that engaging in cinematography okay. or a setup that we have. Information shot, reaction shot. Information shot, reaction shot. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That takes me out of it. And I think for that reason, if there is anything preventing some enjoyment of a thriller like this that is not driven by law enforcement, a cop, you know, yada, yada, uh, is that the investigative work is the star of the show and unfortunately is not done very creatively. And that is definitely falls a, a little not, flat. Exactly. Yeah. You're expecting better from something that's like where the writing is so well, good, good and Absolutely. engaging, and and where the primary action is hacking. You'd think there'd be some well, some more inspired ways to introduce it around the characters or to show sure, it. Sure, of course, screen, yeah. You know, so again, a criticism to a, a very a very good film. Uh, it's got to take some knocks, and those are where the knocks are: a score and and how the action lightly on action. Yeah, because yeah. especially for this first film, it's just all investigative work. How these characters are interacting with it, a little uninspired, at least from my perspective. Overall, though, a thriller from the eyes of a reporter, I think, is so good. As the action kicks up in these later films, as far as, you know, literal explosions and, you know, guns yeah, and yada, yeah. yada and criminals, this first film strikes such a good fear because 
they are not empowered at all. On this theme of manipulation, our characters are really de-emphasized, uh, their power, their agency in the story. And I think for that reason, there is, a again, a special spot for Girl with the Dragon Tattoo uh, that the later films just simply do not touch. And it is uh, a delight to watch because as a thriller, you don't want your main characters to be a superhero or overcome every obstacle. Yeah, of course. They are on it the is, back of is. their heels, you know, constantly. So it is a honestly a great watch, especially with understanding that there is so much more content if you do like it, if you do want to dive deeper. A little dated in some areas, but... As far as the rating, we are going to go ahead and give The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo 2009 a 75. 75, okay. Mm -hmm. Definitely a great watch. Uh, I was thinking it might have hit the 80s. I, I Believe me, I think for how much I enjoy the story, it, it, it deserves it. But some dated other aspects, elements, sure. absolutely. And it's almost a shame that Fincher revisits it in what? two years literally only two years yeah it's a shame that that he revisits it so soon because honestly i think david fincher as far as a director uh is a great match for the type of mood and atmosphere yeah. uh, of this world so All but right. we got a long way to go absolutely yeah so let's jump on to the second one still came out in 2009 but this is david alfredson behind mm -hmm. direct you know directing and it's the girl who played with fire girl who played with fire again i cannot stress enough this is a direct sequel to the previous film, down to the moment that it is showing sequentially what happens almost seconds after the events we oh, see. Oh, very cool. In, in the previous film. Uh, this is also true for the third film in the Millennium Trilogy. So probably an explanation of why these were filmed together. We did maybe, maybe you know, out of fear of maybe aging, uh, you know, in the actors or something like that. But Girl Who Played With Fire, I think, is a great movie. There is a sweet spot that this hits. In the first film, Lisbeth is very toned back. Uh, she's put in places that depower her. I don't know what, not, not depower, but they... Uh, these characters are not empowered at right, all right. because of the message of what the first film is going for. Now that Lisbeth is more in the centerpiece, now that she has more agency, we see her in full glory, and it is great. Uh, she is kicking ass. She okay. is powerful. She is sharp as, as you a said, knife. They're not like she's not back on her heels anymore. Like, right, she, she's just. She She's, is in full effect, yeah, and it is so much more of a joy to watch. I obviously think that Dragon Tattoo is going to be a film that you're always going to want to watch because that is really what it's about. It's about not having her, uh, you know, unrestrained. But for a sequel, it's kind of everything you want. You see her, you know, really uh, in full effect, uh, and it, it, it's it's a great watch for that reason. Uh, the production is as as well much more improved. The soundtrack, the score, those criticisms really go out the window. It's which just you... interesting because it's the same year. And it makes me wonder what we're, happened with the switching directors. Maybe, maybe they saw that. You know, I mean, I like that we're I like that we're coming through with just kind of open, <laughs> right? We're just accepting how it is, sure. Because we didn't really look into the like the the meat of it. I was wondering, maybe directed totally different times though. The book came out in two thousand five. Maybe Possibly. it was directed in two thousand six, two thousand seven, two thousand eight, and, and they then all they get just released. Possibly. 
Possibly. Either way, though... It's interesting, though. That criticism is completely gone for these next two films, which I'm really happy about. Because if I'm going to be watching the film in its native language... The whole point of that is to not have sound issues, you know, uh, like you were even saying, Tom, you know, along the lines of the dub. And that, yeah, there needs to be the fluidity of sound because there's so much going off sound then. Absolutely. I'm happy to say that is out of the way. Where I think the sequel falls short a little bit is obviously the intellectual strength of the script. Uh, You have, again, a dynamite story for the first uh, movie. And now that the world is opening up, we're seeing more of Lisbeth's life. We're seeing more of where the relationship between these two characters go. It's a little bit more conventional as far as uh, the type of investigative work that is done and a lot more action. This is both a good and a bad thing. This is kind of for the rating of this, pulling the film in two directions for me. It's not, while, while it doesn't have the intellectual strength that I would say the first film has, it does have what you want to see throughout the entire film all the elements are still there exactly it's it, it has what you want to see the characters do in their full effect okay uh, Elizabeth being a hacking genius manipulating the manipulators you know playing them that is arguably the best parts and the cathartic payoffs of the first film this second film it's all that it is all mm. meat Okay, uh, which is great, uh, and honestly was a joy to watch. I would say, for that reason, no, at no point more in this uh, in in this whole Millennium series uh, across the five films did I say to myself, "Boy, I wish this could possibly stand alone apart." So I could show Mm. someone this and say, okay, now this is an entry point to it. But again, I have to make note, this is a 100% direct sequel and a middle point for even the third film as well. But I couldn't go into it watching the second one and get enough of an idea what's going on. You it probably would, it would, could. It would to- but it would totally it would, be lacking yeah. things. Exactly. I, mean, it wouldn't, I wouldn't get the full effect of it. Exactly. Okay. Uh, especially if only in the relationship between our two main characters. Okay. But for that reason, I, I think while the overall plot, we have a, a little bit of a, a weaker script to it. It's going a little bit more conventional. It doesn't have this, this dynamite investigative thriller plot line. It is again what you're signing up for the name of the game is this is a film series about the girl and the blank mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we are watching the girl at her best okay uh, and Lisbeth is is absolutely a pleasure to watch on screen we have the actress as well uh, which I I think uh, would be good to to definitely give a shout out uh, Naomi Rapace mm-hmm. uh, she yeah. later went into Prometheus the the alien prequel okay and, and a few other things and then, of course, playing Mikael is uh, Vigo from John Wick. The oh. Run. Yeah. He's obviously been in other things since, but this was, I believe, one of his first early performances in these uh, first three trilogies. So, once again, both of these characters, a joy to watch on screen. And, and the reason why I'm bringing this up for this second film is, again, I cannot lean more into the fact that it is so great to watch them in a position that they can just kick ass and do what they do best. Uh, and it's a, it's a very empowering film for that reason. What do we give it? For that reason, uh, I am 
gauging it a little bit higher. Again, I think for the for the rating here, folks, uh, Girl Who Played With Fire is being kind of pulled in both directions, a little bit lower, a little bit higher, but I'm going to go ahead and give The Girl Who Played With Fire a 78. Oh, wow. Okay, fantastic. Ranking higher. Absolutely. Absolutely. Again, Dragon Tattoo... Well, I mean, we'll, we'll have more to talk about it because it is remade, but, uh, uh, it, you know, a special place. Yeah. This, I think, is the series at its best, honestly. Is that right? Yeah. I wonder had you taken the combined, you know, David Alfredson's directing mm-hmm. and then with the writers of The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think it... it Probably would be better for the production side, like again, like the score and the sound effects there. But then again, we also don't know when it was shot. There yeah. to, there's something going on. There is something going on. We could probably find it out right away. But and I think I think this is natural too because this is the the type of mental gymnastics anyone has approaching this film trilogy. Where the hell do you start? What's going on with these movies? You know, and why is it, why are there differences yeah. in how they're styled too? You know, I love it. Well, yeah. let's. Move on to the third one now, The Girl Who uh, Kicked the Hornet's Nest. Girl Who Kicked the Hornet's Nest, the finale in the Millennium Trilogy, or at least the original Millennium Trilogy. Same director Uh, now, David um, Alfredson. Yep. Same head uh, writer as well. Absolutely. I'm sure there's uh, these had to be filmed together. They have to. And again, I—I I mean, why why were the Lord of the Rings filmed all together? Was it because of aging? Was it because of contracts? No, because of production. The, totally different thing with that. That was the largest mm-hmm. independent film, basically one of the largest mm-hmm. films ever made or mm-hmm. franchises ever made. But it had the independent feel, mm-hmm. and they were just like left alone there. They had the money. It was all, and then use. Same people, mm-hmm. same sets a lot of the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just made sense to do that all. They would come back for reshoots for two months then mm. in between movies. Mm. So before the second one came out, two months of reshoots. Before the third one came out, too much. But that's Lord of the Rings. Whole different story. Either way, I you think know, it's a Sweden. smart way to be producing these films, you know? Combining it all together. It does have a cohesion, uh, you know, that all these films are absolutely direct sequels. Yeah. So with this one, how did this flow from second to third one with Girl Who Kicks a... Once again, to the point that it is seconds after the ending of the uh, uh, girl who played with fire, it is a direct and sequel did it, and finale. Uh, did it immediately have that feeling of, oh, this is the same director? I mean, this feels the same. I think they all kind of feel the same. Honestly, in, in, in some of the research of, of seeing it, it surprised me that the first one wasn't the same director. Uh, oh, really? So, so it's I, just, it was just those small bugs that mm-hmm. got worked out the second one where it's like, oh, this is better one. This Absolutely. is better. Okay. Yeah, and, when, and who knows? Maybe there's funding there. Maybe, yeah, I, I again, it kind of breaking down into the production. But this is absolutely, though, a must-watch. Almost to the point, actually, for the viewing of this, for, for any of you in the audience, there is a... I believe it's a combined version just called Millennium uh, that I believe it's just all three mil- movies put together. There is also an alternative uh, Swedish TV breakdown of this that has side plots to it. So if you're really loving this, that could be also an alternative way to watch this, especially for the original trilogy. But Very cool. Getting into the hornet's nest, this is probably the best and the worst parts of, of, of both movies prior uh, we have hmm. uh, great investigative work, a plot that is high octane, but also intellectually 
engaging. Sure, yeah. Uh, makes you think, makes you kind of question a lot of intentions. Again, the standout for this, especially this first three trilogy, again, the name of the game is manipulation. Manipulation of data, people, information, history. Uh, it, it's very interesting to unpack and watch as an audience member, especially for the first time around. But where this falls is that, <laughs> and I'm laughing because... Tom knows how much I don't like courtroom dramas. There is a courtroom drama smack in the middle of this film for some reason, <laughs> and it crawls into a halt. It is terrible. Oh, that's uh, such a shame. I such know. A shame. Uh, granted, there there has to be there has to be some sort of vindication for these characters uh, without that that is legal, <laughs> that is that is righteous or just. Um, but you're looking forward to d be done in a different way. Exactly. Exactly. Or if you got to do it, make it real brief. And but impactful. Brief but impactful. Exactly. And the courtroom <laughs> aspect of this is massive. It is a big part of the film. And once again, we see Lizbeth in a position that she is de-emphasized again. She, the, the, the power is, is, is taken away uh, from her, which is a shame because... You we, loves her scene exactly. when she's rock when she's going rock and roll, and exactly. it's, it's 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 phenomenal to see. This film does stand out in the sense that we have other characters affected by Lisbeth in the relationship, and showing that they now operate, they now think like Lisbeth, which is an interesting kind of arc for a third movie in a trilogy sure. to show. But again. It's not who I want to show that type of action, who to show who is interacting with these plots, especially as increasingly more and more these films become about Lizbeth very directly uh, and her life and who she interacts with. And that and that that's where I find it's it's kind of good and bad. Again, much more of a drastic split for the rating in that it's being pulled up and pulled down and much more drastic. Interesting. To okay. Yeah. Down. Wow. The suspense is there, though. So I not can't. During the, not during the court scene, so. <laughs> no, definitely not. But the suspense so is there. So act two of the film is rough. Uh, I would say. I would say second half of the film is, again, both good and bad. Basically, we have shots between this courtroom type of storyline. Sure. Matching what's going on in the real world with this thriller element. And that's plenty engaging, but it's the pairing of both of these. We go from 60 miles an hour You're on a roller coaster. to crashing yeah. down to the slowest possible Swedish court. You know, it's already kind of hard to understand the proceedings. <laughs> like, how the hell does this court work? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, there, there, it's in conflict. The film is in conflict. I certainly, I mean, I didn't know the writer is dead. I don't want to knock the script too much. <laughs> but it seems like, especially as far as the script goes and the original work, Dragon Tattoo, that's the gold standard. That's where it's really, we get an inspired story. Okay. Uh, an inspired sure. thriller uh, as far as the plot goes. Beyond that, though, what's holding this back a bit is, again, we have hacking being uninspired for a story where the characters engage with the plot through hacking. Once again, I'm looking for something creative here. Uh, I'm looking for an interesting way to portray this on screen rather than a shot of a computer screen. Not that that information isn't important, 
but then just going to reaction shop. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's, 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 it's like when you show someone texting on screen. There's got to be something new. Yeah, there is a draw there. Exactly. It, it just kind of, it kind of, yeah, it draws it down a bit. Uh, there's got to be a, 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 a kind of a, a, an interesting way to portray that, that you have both on the, same, uh, both on the screen at the same time. And not to give a peek into why I was so excited to see this done by David Fincher, but David Fincher in House of Cards, in his directing work, have made a lot of headway on how digital uh, digital concepts or, or digital text uh, was put into the same frame as character acting on the screen. So hmm. we'll see if that pays off. <laughs> <laughs> but as a conclusion to the trilogy... It's semi-satisfying. Uh, we have things being wrapped up in a very nice bow, which it is for as dark as a trilogy as this really is, and really some intense scenes. Uh, definitely not for uh, a soft stomach. If if you're easily you know affected by very intense sequences, things wrap up almost incredibly nice, uh, and I feel that. Honestly, it was it was it was a mismatch for for where this film was going and where the trilogy needed to end, uh, especially coming off of what I thought was a relatively weak film. When it comes down to it, we're going to go ahead and rank the girl who kicked the hornet's nest a fifty nine. Wow, fifty nine. Mm -hmm. uh, definitely not bad. Uh, I I would clock it in as above yeah, average. Not great. Uh, but and, and the thing is, I'm 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 practical. If you are in for a penny, you're in for a pound. If you're two movies into this and you understand the third Worth movie, it. Is keep as, it going. Yeah, exactly. It's I a, I know. I love the idea that the second one is what you really feel is the best. Yeah. I mean, close to the first one, but I, because so much in trilogies, you know how much a second movie can can sure. suffer. Mm -hmm. So I love the fact that that's where it's really punching. That's where it's good. And then maybe the third one deserves to just kind of wrap things up a little bit mm -hmm. and conclude the story. Because uh, really you're watching, especially if you're like, oh, this picks up seconds after this, mm -hmm. you're watching an eight-hour movie mm -hmm. is Absolutely. basically what you're doing. Yeah. Wow. I love. Okay. I love that then. Yeah. I mean, I'm still... You're right. The third one I have no interest in, and you probably wouldn't suggest unless you go ahead and watch. You you watch exactly. that first one, and you, you, you're you there for the ride. Exactly. Yeah. I could maybe even rank it lower than a 59, but you know the practical side of the ranking there or the rating is very simply that if you're in it already, it, it's definitely not a bad movie, and it's probably worth the watch in the sense that if you're in that deep, you're going to watch it regardless, you know? Wow, I love that. And uh, okay, so for the original trilogy, 75% for The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, 78% for The Girl Who Played With Fire, and for The Girl Who Kicked the Hornet's Nest at 59%. That's awesome. So before we get over to the American kind of redos or following that story, just want to take a time here. Since it's kind of a special that we have here, we're not going to have a producer segment. We're going to thank the producers. Uh, we just want to put in a little pitch here. Remember, Vin and I, we are staying away from advertisers. We really just want to build a community with you. We want to be independent. And we're going through the value for value model. We don't want to look at you as listeners. We look at you as producers. So basically what we ask for is, did you get value in this, in our production of the podcast? Are you enjoying it? Are you getting something valuable from it? Also, are you finding yourself going to our website, thedailyratings.com? Do you find yourself you know, wanting to know what a movie got, going there and checking it out and scrolling through and just kind of seeing what we have? We have an ever-expanding catalog of films as we start to get through more and more movies. We you know, starting to do fun things like this where we're doing specials, where we're doing actual franchises and everything like that. We love doing this. This is 
How am I going to do a special from 2009 if I got to talk about a mattress in the ad section? <laughs> or underwear. We could do, we could sell underwear yeah. right now. We were just Ray not about. Con. Yeah, it just doesn't work that way. We, you know, we're yeah. doing movies and and we would love a little kickback. We do. It does cost some money to be doing this. Mm-hmm. So we'd appreciate anything you go. You could do a subscription plan. You can just give one-time donations. You can write a little bit of a note in your. Uh, we go through PayPal online if you'd like. Write a little note and we'll read it out loud if you want. Uh, you know, give us a shout out or say that you couldn't disagree more with Vin's ratings. It doesn't matter. <laughs> say whatever you want, but and we'll read it too. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so if you could just do that, and we're trying to build a little uh, community here, uh, that'd be cool. Absolutely. And yeah, so we appreciate that so much. So again, it's dailyratings.com. Go to, to the uh, donations tab, and again, check us out. We appreciate it. Absolutely. All right, let's move on to the American releases. Two years now after. It's 2011. Yep. Very quick. Mm-hmm. All of this is very quick. Uh, yeah, probably, you know, it, it, they, they wanted to act on the, the, the buzz off of it because these were big movies in Sweden. They so. were, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the books, as we know, are big sellers as well. Mm-hmm. So 2011, David Fincher now helming it. And we have kind of the remake, the American version of The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Mm-hmm. We have Daniel Craig in there mm-hmm. uh, for the lead role of the male. We have uh, Rooney Mara as Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. So what do we have? We have uh, a film that is almost beat for beat. The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo in the Swedish uh, or in Ooh. the 2009 release. In a good way or bad way? I think, again, uh, both good and bad. Uh, I think it is a good thing because... All in all, when I look at that film, especially if I had to talk to someone that was very into thrillers, maybe they don't like foreign subtitles. Uh, maybe yeah, the, people do hate subtitles. Exactly. Some people just can't sit. It's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe you want a kind of a slicker, more of a you know dark package to it that David Fincher is obviously known for, uh, you know, after this directing Gone Girl. There is... A bit of a positive aspect to that being beat for beat. For me, from a critical perspective, especially watching the original work, I would describe this as derivative and in a negative way. This is not something that I feel Fincher put heart into to create something new. Uh, Granted, there is a challenge because he's coming up against something that is fairly a... You know, it's uh, coming off the book that came out less exactly. than ten years prior. He's yeah. coming out the movie, you know, the movie that came out two two years prior mm-hmm. to him doing this. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he felt contained in a certain way. Absolutely, absolutely. So he couldn't go full fin- Fincher. Exactly. Right. But for that reason, again, there is a positive to it. I think uh, this film is exactly what I was craving for in the original trilogy. That if you just kind of want a one off and experience, arguably the. Uh, the deepest plot in the entire uh, Millennium Saga, this is going to be the one that you want to jump into. And it can stand alone again. Absolutely. Yeah. Because it doesn't have uh, and it does stand a alone, setup really. baggage that the original trilogies are, were obviously expecting to with that production being so in line. Yep. And as you see, the next one in the American side is 2018, seven years later. Yeah, do you, do you think Fincher had plans to make two more or he wanted this to stand alone? I don't know. I think, I don't know. I mean, know. who knows with, with actual production yeah. and everything like that. Maybe they wanted one. Maybe they didn't think yeah. they could, the trilogy would be worth it. Uh, possibly. I, I think there could have been, I mean, Daniel Craig, 2011. Oh, he's big time. Exactly. Uh, and that, she uh, looks cool as hell. How was, absolutely. how was she in the film? Right? She's great. She's great. Oh, good. She played this show. She absolutely. Ha- held that I character prefer, up well. uh, 
the the original actress uh, just because uh, there there is a, a quietness to it what we see in the characters that's a main difference between the swedish and now these american movies is they're much more bombastic predictably uh it's it's hollywood yeah. it's more it's going for more of a blockbuster also another tonal change is we go from a very quiet intellectual reporter investigative plot to more and more a spy James Bond type of theming. Interesting. To this. Okay. Uh, almost in the sense that, uh, oh, I mean, almost directly James Bond because both of the openings, Dragon Tattoo 2011 and then In the Spider's Web 2018, we see an opening that is 3D CGI, uh, very Bond visuals, oh. uh, a very, very spy kind of, you know. Did it come off well? I think so. Looks a little bit dated, but I, I'm not going to be too critical <laughs> there. I mean, you know what you got to do. Things look cool back then, right? Then, right. Yeah, but I, 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 I think it, it sells because it's got to be a sexier package, and you got some, you know, a, a very, very sleek, sexy story, and especially yeah. with David Fincher making it dark and edgy and brooding, it, it works. It definitely works. Uh, I think. Uh, I do have to note here because, as as I said, my main gripe with this series is that the uh, for for hacking being a a, a main action of these characters, uh, it being uninspired. My hope going into this film was David Fincher going to crack that as in in an inspired way to show how that is done on screen. Unfortunately, we see the, him take the opposite direction, and that hacking is absolutely part of the plot line but he leans much more into Lisbeth's uh, photographic memory uh, and more so uh, kind of grassroots investigative work uh, in books and records for her. We also see a lot less connection of the original trilogy with our two main characters. I bring this up because if there's any kind of factor that I would say probably was not a driver of audience excitement maybe for a sequel here is that i don't think there's a lot of chemistry between craig uh, and uh, really yeah i don't think there is it's there interesting it's really where it becomes it's lacking and and honestly this this saga the millennium saga is about that relationship between right. these yeah. two especially for the later films if they were going to flesh out either the same or or future ones as we see in in Girl with the Spider's Web. Uh, late, that, that is, of course, later in the cr- uh, chronology of uh, the uh, events of, the, of these books. So what we have here is a, a sleeker package, better editing. I believe this got the Oscar as well for editing that okay. year. Okay, all right. Which uh, I, I would definitely agree. It is. Uh, it, it has a, a dark tone to it that is... Honestly, something that I could not take my eyes away from, it hits. and that's exactly, yeah. and that's definitely something that I have always admired about Fincher's style. You know, when he's not directing uh, uh, commercials and and Coca Cola ads. So, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, that cleaner polish, that overall look, you could you could maybe call that surface level. I think once again, in the purpose of ranking this as a watch order, as a watching guide, uh, as a practical guidance to uh, getting involved and, and, and getting into this series, this is much more digestible for that reason, for being English uh, English spoken, a, a better look, not having those production sound problems. So uh, a big thing to note and definitely a big positive to this. You basically are left with this. You exchange the better feel 
better sound, the better quality in production versus the elaborated detail that you're going to get in any original work. You're always going to have more detail in that first draft of, of something because you can definitely see that, especially in that first Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, it is a love letter to that first yeah, book, presumably, yeah, yeah. Uh, to that original plot. Uh, and there's so much more details into letting the camera hang on characters, on relationships, on just what the hell they are investigating, where it is go, go, go on, on this uh, 2011 rendition of it. So uh, once again, uh, the theme of, of all of these is kind of pulled in two directions, but overall... I think we're going to go ahead and give The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, 2011, a 72. Okay, yeah, right in line, right yeah, there. Basically, you know, take it or leave it for the, the first iteration, and uh, I would say wholly in interchangeable. Uh, wow. If you plan on watching the trilogy, watch the Swedish movies. If you want to dip your toes into it, give this a it shot. totally stands alone in a good way. Exactly. Very exactly. cool. All right, well, let's go on out to 2018. 2018. Quite the jump. We have The Girl in the Spider's Web with uh, Fide Alvarez mm -hmm. uh, directing. What do we have? A total change in cast is what we have. <laughs> yeah. There is a switch in characters. So it makes me wonder if some of the delay there is because there was just problems locking down Daniel Craig. There was just problems locking down... Uh, was that the was that the case? Um, I, I can only imagine. Or was this supposed to stand alone too? 2011, Daniel Craig's going into what movie? 2012. Uh, we got to be close to Skyfall by that time, right? Yeah, Skyfall was 2012. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's probably you know it a, could be maybe they maybe Hollywood maybe you know production everything they want to uh, make these standalone films and just. Now that you're entered into this world mm -hmm. with the girl with the dragon tattoo, with mm -hmm. the you know the Hollywood version, mm -hmm. maybe mm -hmm. they're trying to do this. Yeah, I, I mean, and expand on it, and maybe we'll get more in the future. Absolutely, and and who knows, especially with the delays of things in 2020, if there is something in productions in the works, and we're just going to see it heavily delayed now. Uh, I think it's totally possible. <laughs> what is mind-boggling about this film is that the we, girl we with looked the... none of this up before. I love it. <laughs> it's a uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think there's merit to that, folks. You know? <laughs> we're we're going into this series just like you want to go. It is kind of nice, it, you know. Yeah, <laughs> but what's mind-boggling about the girl in the spider's web is that this is one of the latest or one of the farthest stories for Lisbeth in her. Uh, in the world. In the world, in the chronology. So of basically, the... we were, as far as the American versions go, mm -hmm. where you don't have to deal with the subtitles, you're dealing with the first one. Uh, right. Which is early on, building the foundation of who these yep. characters are, what, mm -hmm. what we're doing here. Exactly. And then the second one known to people is uh, it, jumping extremely far. Extremely far, to the point that it's going off of plot points... Of the third film, of uh, the girl that kicked the horn's nest. Now, granted, it's not is it necessarily further in the world. Absolutely. So this is almost by like, like two, by probably like two uh, books, I believe, as far as what I researched. Okay. But it is, it is going off of those events, not in the sense that it's saying, oh yes, that third Swedish film is is now canonical again, to what we're going. Maybe for. that was on purpose. Maybe it was just like, okay, we haven't explored this on film yet. And let's just have That's these. In, let's have these individual. Like yeah. I keep on saying it, but standalone films. Yeah. And yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. But how does it stand? Mm. <laughs> it's rough because 
it not only does it go off of events that have not been played out on the American side and just are implied to the film, which makes it very, very rushed uh, and 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 kind of confusing and, and not that complex of a plot, folks. I mean, this is not brain surgery here. On top of that as well, uh, we have a complete tonal shift. Lisbeth is basically Batman in this film. Uh, it is now 100% a spy thriller, uh, incorporating international agencies, nuclear codes. Uh, it is basically a spy film. It's just not what the character was meant oh. to be, kind of. It, it's- yeah. And I hold some of the criticism of this isn't true to the character to, I don't know, maybe that's where the books progress. You know, I haven't read the books. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe that's just where it progresses normally, that Lisbeth's arc was always more and more increasing into higher stakes. Sure. And, you know, so that's fine if it what it is. As a film, though, it is not done well. Uh, okay. It okay. is not done well. Again, there is, I mean, we are uh, in full Marvel mode characters are in situations and combat there is no stakes i have no doubt lisbeth is going out of this situation i have no doubt any character that has a gun to them is going to come out with their skin still on you know it is it takes everything out of why the thriller and the de-emphasized action of these early films and dragon tattoo right, specifically right. why it works because our characters go from the most vulnerable to Lisbeth is now literally a superhero Batman super spy. Oh boy. Uh, so it's the... Hollywood. I mean, it's the only oh. one under two hours. So it's just like, get in there. <laughs> yeah. Let's give him like, like, right. Is uh, it a big show? Is it just like, it's I, the thing is, and don't get me wrong, big bangs and, and loud noises. And then, uh, and she, uh, you know, Lisbeth is, is badass. There's cool sequences in this film. Don't get me wrong, but where the change from, why that was such a huge positive for me with Girl Who Played With Fire, mm-hmm. uh, that the action and, and, and it empowered Lisbeth. Where that was good is because it had the moments that made me care and the vulnerability that made me you know, actually pay attention to this film. Once again, I mean, right from the beginning, Lisbeth is a vigilante, attacking uh, uh, men who are <laughs> it's 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 such a mess it is such a mess and then she gets wrapped up in these government agents it, it's a mess uh it honestly what it, a way it, to end it it seems like the first draft of the james bond film that they would have led by a female if they did female bond it honestly feels like oh. it's something that got thrown out and they're like you know <laughs> Obviously, this is a book. T- that's but an interesting take. It it really does, for, and again, keeps that opening, keeps a very visualized kind of you know stylized wow. opening. And don't get me wrong, there there are definitely worse films. So when it comes to the action sequences on their own, I'm gonna actually compare this film to a Star Trek Beyond, the third in the Star Trek uh, remake or reimagining films. Definitely not a Star Trek film, if you know that film at all, but if you just kind of look at it on its own and for what's going on the screen as not a not something true to the material, but just kind of as a, a romp in the world, this is very similar in that regard. It is not anything but a brainless action film, but it has all the dressings oh. and the stylings of the world that 
you know, I've come to love wow. by watching all these. So, uh oh. So how are we, how are we ending this now? How are we <laughs> me, putting a bow on it? Let me check if there's anything else. I to do. Uh, yeah, turn your mind off. Stead <laughs> stylus. Oh, the hacking. It, it, I'd be remiss if I didn't say the hacking is at its best in this film <laughs> because the NSA is involved and and you know it, it's still honestly. It, it don't get me wrong. It is not provided in a way that uh, or is not portrayed in a way that satisfies what I've been criticizing that it's uninspired how it's introduced uh, on screen and and cinematography wise but uh, it is a small highlight to this film characters have little stakes uh, and I can't stress enough that that takes the wind out of the sails so much in a very rooted grounded film that it was always about that you don't know uh, what's going to happen to these characters because they're going up against, you know, impossible odds, but vulnerable to those odds. Uh, the stakes are, are as high as they can be in this film, but uh, all these characters have plot armor at this point. Right, and, right. And maybe in that point in the series, it's, it's, it's just a reunion show almost. So we're going to go ahead and wrap this up, folks, giving the girl in the spider's web... A 35. All right. Again. For what uh, you were saying, 35 sounds about right. Yeah. Unfortunately. Uh, as unfortunate as that is. Exactly. I hope maybe we get more than in the future. Yeah. And, uh, you know, something we could revitalize. I mean, how cool would it be if David Fincher came back? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think a lot could be done with it. And again, I'm sure there's more books in this uh, in this saga that could be fleshed out. But, yeah, it, it, it was fascinating to watch. I was uh, very happy to do one of these type of projects because as, as Tom Yeah, this knows, was cool. I'm glad yeah. we did this. It's like, uh, yeah, we're going to do these. We do have more specials coming up too, folks, where we kind of take a franchise and go after it. It's enjoyable. It's kind of fun. And that way, you know, a lot of people like to watch the movies together, especially mm-hmm. the trilogy in Sweden. Like, those should be watched together, whether you watch them in the same night or the same week. It's not the point. The fact is, yeah, it's absolutely. Just, you, know, you watch one or the two of them and you're interested and mm-hmm. kind of know about the whole franchise. So we kind of like going about it this way absolutely i think it's a sweet spot as well for just a practical guide as yeah. we like these ratings to be a watching guide what is better to have a series watching guide yeah. to this so uh or you know uh trilogies and, and whatnot so absolutely. absolutely well then uh is there anything else or should we roll the credits here that's about it let's roll it okay. all righty so just to wrap up folks the uh swedish releases in 2009 the girl with the dragon tattoo 75 Girl who played with fire, seventy-eight. The girl who kicked the hornet's nest, a fifty-nine percent, and then the Hollywood uh, releases for the girl with the dragon tattoo in two thousand eleven, seventy-two percent, and the girl in the spider's web at thirty-five percent. So we thank you so much for stopping by. We hope to see you next time. And remember, go to thedailyratings.com dot where you can see so much more. We appreciate it. enjoyed the podcast if you would give us a good rating or tell a friend about us if you're wondering if a film is worth a watch or if you'd just like to see more movie ratings from vince be sure to stop by the dailyratings.com where we have our ever-expanding catalog of films also if you found value in the podcast become a producer go to the donations tab on the dailyratings.com you can donate whatever amount of value that you feel you received from our product You'll get a mention on the next podcast episode, too. 
We're looking to build this into something large and great, but also be independent from those corporate sponsors. So we greatly appreciate any support from you all. So thanks so much, and we'll see you next time on the Daily Ratings Podcast.